Chapter 71 of Nights with Uncle Remus. This is the last chapter of the book. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain and is read by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. Nights with Uncle Remus by Joel Chandler Harris. Chapter 71 The Night Before Christmas. The day and the night before Christmas were full of pleasure for the little boy. There was pleasure in the big house, and pleasure in the humble cabins in the quarters. The peculiar manner in which the negroes celebrated the beginning of the holidays was familiar to the child's experience, but strange to his appreciation, and he enjoyed everything he saw and heard with the ready delight of his years, a delight which, in this instance, had been trained and sharpened, if the expression may be used, in the small world over which Uncle Remus presided. The little boy had a special invitation to be present at the marriage of Daddy Jack and Tildy, and he went, accompanied by Uncle Remus and Aunt Tempe. It seemed to be a very curious affair, but its incongruities made small impression upon the mind of the child. Tildy wore a white dress and had a wreath of artificial flowers in her hair. Daddy Jack wore a high hat, which he persisted in keeping on his head during the ceremony, and a coat the tails of which nearly dragged the floor. His bright little eyes glistened triumphantly, and he grinned and bowed to everybody again and again. After it was all over, the guests partook of cake baked by Aunt Tempe, and persimmon beer brewed by Uncle Remus. It seemed, however, that Tildy was not perfectly happy. For, in response to a question asked by Aunt Tempe, she said, "'Yes'm, I'm going down the country long with my old man, and I lay if everything don't go right, I'm going to pick up and come right back.' "'No, no!' exclaimed Daddy Jack. "'He no come back no tall. She been stay day-day with the nice old man.' "'You put your penance in dat,' said Tildy, scornfully. "'Dey ain't nobody can hold me when I takes a notion, cepin' it's Miss Sally, and goodness knows Miss Sally ain't going to be down there.' "'Who Miss Sally gone put in the house?' Aunt Tempe asked. "'Huh!' exclaimed Tildy, scornfully. "'Miss Sally say she gone take dat there darkest nigger and put in my place, and a mighty nice mess darkest gone to make of it. Much she know about waiting on white folks. Many's and many's a time Miss Sally has set down in her rocking chair and wish for Tildy. Many's the time. This was Tildy's grievance, the idea that someone could be found to fill her place, and it is a grievance with which people of greater importance than the humble negro house-girl are more or less familiar. But the preparations for the holidays went on in spite of Tildy's grievance. A large platform, used for sunning wheat and seed-cotton, was arranged by the negroes for their dance, and several wagon-loads of resinous pine, known as lightwood, were placed around about it in little heaps, so that the occasion might lack no element of brilliancy. At nightfall the heaps of lightwood were set on fire, and the little boy, who was waiting impatiently for Uncle Remus to come for him, could hear the negroes singing, dancing, and laughing. He was just ready to cry when he heard the voice of his venerable partner. 
Is they at a passenger anywheres round yer for Thumptown? The stage done ready, and the horses a prancin. If there's any passenger round here, I lay he'd just better be making ready for to go. The old man walked up to the back piazza as he spoke, held out his strong arms, and the little boy jumped into them with an exclamation of delight. The child's mother gave Uncle Remus a shawl to wrap around the child, and this shawl was the cause of considerable trouble, for the youngster persisted in wrapping it around the old man's head, and so blinding him that there was danger of his falling. Finally, he put the little boy down, took off his hat, raised his right hand, and said, "'Now, den, I've been a-beggin' in you for to quit your behavishness just as long as I'm a gwater, and I ain't gwon' beg you no more, cause I'm just tea-totally wore out with beggin', and the more I begs, the worse you gets. Now I'm done. You just go your ways, and I'll go mine, and my way lays right spang back in the big house where Miss Sally is. That's where I'm a-goin'.' Uncle Remus started to the house with an exaggerated vigor of movement comical to behold, but, however comical it may have been, it had its effect. The little boy ran after him, caught him by the hand, and made him stop. "'Now, Uncle Remus, please don't go back. I was just playing.' Uncle Remus's anger was all pretense, but he managed to make it very impressive. "'My playing days done gone too long to talk about. When I plays, I plays with work. That's what I plays with. Well, said the child, who had tactics of his own, if I can't play with you, I don't know who I am to play with. This touched Uncle Remus in a very tender spot. He stopped in the path, took off his spectacles, wiped the glasses on his coat-tail, and said very emphatically, Now den, honey, just listen at me. How de name of goodness can you call dat playin, which a little more and I'd a fall down on top of my head and broke my neck and yawn too? The child promised that he would be very good, and Uncle Remus picked him up, and the two made their way to where the Negroes had congregated. They were greeted with cries of, "Dare's Uncle Remus! Howdy, Uncle Remus! Yeah, there is! Oh, man, Remus don't sing!" But when he do sing, gentlemen's, just go away. All this and much more, so that when Uncle Remus had placed the little boy upon a corner of the platform and made him comfortable, he straightened himself with a laugh and cried out, Howdy, boys! Howdy all! I just come up for to join in with you for one round for the six old times and no more. I bound for Uncle Remus, someone said. "'Now just hush and let Uncle Remus alone!' exclaimed another. The figure of the old man, as he stood smiling upon the crowd of negroes, was picturesque in the extreme. He seemed to be taller than all the rest, and, notwithstanding his venerable appearance, he moved and spoke with all the vigor of youth. He had always exercised authority over his fellow-servants. He had been the captain of the corn-pile, the stoutest at the log-rolling, the swiftest with the hoe, the neatest with the plough, and the plantation hands still looked upon him as their leader. Some negro from the river-place had brought a fiddle, and though it was a very feeble one, its screeching seemed to annoy Uncle Remus. 
Put up dat dare fiddle, he exclaimed, waving his hand. Just put her up. She sets my tooth on edge. Put her up and let's go back to old times. Dey ain't no room for de fiddle round yere, cause when you gets me started, dat dare fiddle won't be nowheres. That's so, said the man with the fiddle, and the irritating instrument was laid aside. Now then, Uncle Remus went on, there's a little chap yere dat you'll all come to know mighty well, one of these odd come shorts, and dis yere little chap ain't got so mighty long for to set up long with us. Dat being de case, we ought to take and put de best foot foremost for to commence wid. You lead, Uncle Remus, you just lead, and we'll foller. Thereupon the old man called to the best singers among the negroes and made them stand near him. Then he raised his right hand to his ear and stood perfectly still. The little boy thought he was listening for something, but presently Uncle Remus began to slap himself gently with his left hand, first upon the leg and then upon the breast. The other negroes kept time to this by a gentle motion of their feet, and finally, when the thump, thump, thump of this movement had regulated itself to suit the old man's fancy, he broke out with what may be called a Christmas dance-song. His voice was strong and powerful and sweet, and its range was as astonishing as its volume. More than this, the melody to which he tuned it, and which was caught up by a hundred voices almost as sweet and as powerful as his own, was charged with a mysterious and pathetic tenderness. The fine company of men and women at the big house, men and women who had made the tour of all the capitals of Europe, listened with swelling hearts and with tears in their eyes as the song rose and fell upon the air. At one moment a tempest of melody, at another a heart-breaking strain breathed softly and sweetly to the gentle winds. The song that the little boy and the fine company heard was something like this, ridiculous enough when put in cold type, but powerful and thrilling when joined in the melody with which the negroes had invested it. My honey, my love. It's a mighty fur ways up to farewell lane, my honey, my love. You may ax Mr. Crow, you may ax Mr. Crane, my honey, my love. To make you a bow and to tell you the same, my honey, my love. It's a mighty fur ways for to go in the night, my honey, my love. My honey, my love, my heart's delight, my honey, my love. Mr. Mink, he creeped well, he wake up to snipe, my honey, my love. Mr. Bullfrog holler, come a light up my pipe, my honey, my love. And a partridge axe, Ain't your peas ripe, my honey, my love? Better not walk along that much after night, my honey, my love. My honey, my love, my heart's delight, my honey, my love. De bully bat fly mighty close to de ground, my honey, my love. Mr. Foxy Coaxer, do come down, my honey. My love. 
Mr. Coon, he rack all round and round, my honey, my love. In the darkest night, oh, the nigger, he's a sight, my honey, my love. My honey, my love, my heart's delight, my honey, my love. Oh, flee, Miss Nancy, flee to my knee, my honey, my love. Eleven big fat coons lives in one tree, my honey, my love. Oh, ladies all, won't you marry me, my honey, my love? Turn left, turn right, we'll dance all night, my honey, my love. My honey, my love, my heart's delight, my honey, my love. The big owl holler and cry for his mate, my honey, my love. Oh, don't stay long, oh, don't stay late, my honey, my love. He ain't so mighty fur for the goodbye gate, my honey, my love. Where we all got to go when we sing out tonight, my honey, my love. My honey, my love, my heart's delight. My honey, my love. After a while, the song was done, and other songs were sung, but it was not long before Uncle Remus discovered that the little boy was fast asleep. The old man took the child in his arms and carried him to the big house, singing softly in his ear all the way, and somehow or other the song seemed to melt and mingle in the youngster's dreams. He thought he was floating in the air, while somewhere near all the negroes were singing, Uncle Remus's voice above all the rest, and then, after he had found a resting place upon a soft, warm bank of clouds, he thought he heard the songs renewed. They grew fainter and fainter in his dreams, until at last, it seemed, Uncle Remus leaned over him and sang, "'Good night.' That's the end of chapter 71 and the end of Nights with Uncle Remus by Joel Chandler Harris. Thank you for listening.